What up, y'all? I'm LBC Bruce. The date is February 14th, 2024. Happy Valentine's Day. It'll be February 15th when you hear this, but this is another episode of Electric Relaxation. Welcome back. Another episode of Electric Relaxation. I am your host, LBC Bruce. Electric Relaxation is a part of the Realities Real Podcast Network brought to you by the good folks over at TMM Smith. It is February 14th. It is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. By the time you guys hear this, it will be February 15th, but just wanted to shout that out. And of course, because it is February 14th, we are one day before Microsoft's big business announcement discussing Microsoft's future where Phil Spencer will be on the official Xbox podcast. Now, based upon that, based upon just the way I record the podcast, the day I record the podcast, that means I do not know what Phil Spencer is going to announce during that podcast. So for topic of the show today, what I'm going to do. I'm going to be Phil Spencer and I'm going to announce what I think Microsoft should be doing going forward to be number one, to remain number one, or just to be successful. Let's start. Let's take it away from the competition aspect and let's look at the things Microsoft could be doing to provide a great experience for gamers. Now I think Microsoft's done a decent job so far, but to provide a great overall experience, I'm going to tell you what I'd do if I was Phil Spencer. Before we get into that, we're going to have some news. Going to go over some news topics. Heavy MCU today. Heavy MCU. A lot of MCU stuff. Uh, Madam Web is out. According to reviews, Madam Web is trash. Uh, I kind of predicted Madam Web would be trash. I really wish Sony would just give up the Spider-Man license back to Marvel or to Disney so they can stop making all these Spider-Man offshoots that are really horrible. I watched Venom twice, unfortunately. Both times it was really horrible. I didn't watch Venom 2. Um, I think I seen Morbius at home and fell asleep. Yeah, these just haven't been good, man. Haven't been good. Uh, so we are going to talk some MCU stuff, some new MCU stuff, some actual MCU stuff done by Disney in the new segment. Um, also going to talk about Helldivers. Helldivers has been hugely successful, so we're going to discuss some Helldivers. As for what I've been up to, 
Um, outside of being here in the studio, uh, been up to a few things. Apex new season has dropped. For those that don't know, I am an Apex Legends fanatic, and the new season has dropped, and the game is completely different. Now, I only play ranked because I like the challenge of it. I like the fact that people will actually stick around. I like that people don't just quit because they don't get to pick a certain character. That game plays completely different with the changes that have made to it. It's way more tactical. It's way more strategic. It's not a lot of just running out and doing dumb stuff. So excited to continue to play that, excited to get better at it. I do like the fact that they took all the stuff out of the crafter. I feel like there's so much loot on the ground. Uh, I like the evolution aspect of it. I like the upgrades that you could possibly get. Um, I have tried Lifeline. I like that Wraith sort of goes back to OG Wraith if you upgrade it right. It's a great game, man. I'm loving it. It's it's brought a lot to the game. I think that it makes it a valuable piece of the whole multiplayer experience that exists current state, which has been very different. But I'll talk about that as we get to the Helldivers topic. But going to take a quick break. Then we'll be back with some news, electric relaxation. What up, y'all? I'm LBC Bruce, host of Cleats, Dimes, and Strikes. Cleats, Dimes, and Strikes is a sports podcast where I keep it all the way real, give you perspectives you're not going to see on TV, and avoid the nerd numbers. Unless they're nerd numbers, help out my argument. Cleats, Dimes, and Strikes is a part of the We Out Digital Podcast Network, brought to you by the good folks over at TMM Smith. You can catch Cleats, Dimes, and Strikes every Monday and Thursday, wherever you get your favorite podcast set. Thanks for checking this out. Look forward to speaking to y'all every Monday, Thursday, cleats, dimes, and strikes. Peace. And we are back with electric relaxation. So uh, for those of you who checked out the Super Bowl, you may have seen, or if you didn't check out the Super Bowl, you probably still seen it. The new Deadpool trailer, which revealed the new name of the Deadpool movie is Deadpool and Wolverine. So the trailer itself. It was interesting. I wonder if that trailer is actually from the movie because you know, Deadpool breaks the third wall. So that could be from the movie, but it seemed like, I don't know, like it could very possibly be that was just a trailer and not the movie. Uh, but if that is the movie, I find it interesting that Deadpool is now involved with the TVA and it's not the TVA we're used to from Loki. Um, and it's a, it's an MCU movie. So why don't they have the TVA from the movie? If I mean the TVA from Loki, if this is an MCU movie and that was the movie. Interesting. Also, there's a clip in that movie where there's a character that kind of looks like doom. If you watch it again, there's a guy, he has this mechanical thing that comes out. It kind of looks like Doom. It kind of looks like Dr. Doom. If you watch the trailer, check it out. It looks like Doom. Uh, I read an article and they said that it could be Wastelander Doom, possibly, which is like a Doom that exists in the universe of Old Man Logan, which Wolverine is in the movie. So Doom? Doom? I don't know. I mean, it's very possible that it's a version of Doom, but not the Doom that we're actually going to get in the MCU I wouldn't be surprised. The trailer said a lot of nothing other than the fact that Deadpool interacts with the TVA. Um, 
I don't know, man. I'm a little nervous. This is the only Marvel movie this year. Uh, the only real MCU canon movie because Madam Web happened, but we're not counting that garbage. But this is the only one this year. So I find it interesting and I'm a little nervous about it. I don't, I wouldn't 100% bet that this is like a hit in the way a lot of the previous stuff hit. Now, Deadpool has always been different. Deadpool has always been different. It's always kind of marched to the beat of its own drum. It could possibly be entertaining, but I know a lot of people are saying this is what brings the MCU back. I'll be interested to see if that's the case. I really will be because Deadpool has the ability to just completely wipe everything and say, okay, things are completely different now. And the fact that he's interacting with the TVA could speak directly to everything that's been going on in the MCU. But what I don't want it to do is get too caught up in talking about the MCU in real life, as opposed to it being its own experience. That's what I don't want. Cause it seems like it's a lot of talking about Marvel from the perspective of the MCU is something that we see in the theaters, like it exists in real life. And I don't want a whole movie of that. They did like one episode of She-Hulk of that, which I didn't really like She-Hulk anyway, but I didn't really like that episode. I don't know. Just keep it in the fictional space. I go to the movies for the escape from reality to exist in these fictional spaces and dealing too much with actual reality. Like that's not what I'm as excited about, but we will see. Now, with that being said, speaking of doom, Marvel has finally announced the casting for fantastic four. So I pulled this from variety. Um, now Marvel announced this via a tweet on Twitter, which we're still referring to it as Twitter. Um, they tweeted out an image of the fantastic four celebrating Valentine's day. Cause it is Valentine's day. And in the image, they have the fantastic four characters sitting around each other, but they have put on the faces of the actual actors. Now, going back to the previous story, I guess because the actors agree with this, it's cool. It's not illegal because you can't put faces on images unless the actual subject agrees to it. Not going to go into that. But anyways, so they put this image out there and the image shows Pedro Pascal is playing Mr. Fantastic Reed Richards. Vanessa Kirby is playing Sue Storm. Joseph Quinn is playing Johnny Storm. Uh, the Human Torch, and Aban Mosk Bakrak is Ben Grimm, a.k.a. The Thing. So uh, per this article in Variety, it points out something that I find interesting that I didn't really put two and two together. Um, Fantastic Four now has a release date of July 25th, 2025. It swapped dates with Thunderbolts, which is scheduled to release May 2nd, 2025. So those drop next year, as well as Captain America Brave New World, which drops in February of 2025 and blade drops in November of 2025. So 2025 looks like a pretty lit year for Marvel, man. I'm pretty excited about that. It looks like a lot of things to be interested about. Um, I do think that the fantastic four movie will be interesting because they've taken it away from, I forgot who had it previously that just completely ruined it, but Pedro Pascal has been knocking it out of the park. So having them as Reed Richards is going to be really good. That's dope. Um, Captain America, the new Captain America. 
I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. I hated Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm going to watch it again to see if I change my mind on it. I think it was very heavy handed in trying to address racial issues in America. And look, I'm all for it when it's done right. But it seemed like it was somebody who doesn't deal with racial issues in America trying to address racial issues in America. It seemed very heavy handed. It seemed very heavy handed. So I don't know. Uh, Having Falcon is now Captain America. I don't like dude. I don't like Papa Doc. I don't. I don't like Papa Doc. I don't like him. It's not the whole race swap thing that I know some people out there bitching about. Perfectly fine with that. I don't care. But I don't like Papa Doc. Like, I just can't. And I think that's part of why the whole addressing racial issues in America was so tough for me in that show. Because I felt like you didn't have an actor that could really, you know, and not to question anybody's blackness because that's whack. But I just don't feel like he can carry that type of topic as an actor. I think he lacks the depth to really carry that. I mean, cause if I remember correctly, based upon some of the things he said previously, I don't know if he necessarily feels like there's racial issues in America, but that's a whole nother topic for another day. Um, I don't know. And to me, Captain America has been some of the best movies the MCU has had in regards to actual character based away from the Avengers. Cause the first Captain America movie was really solid. The second one, uh, Winter Soldier, I think that's one of the best MCU movies, period. So that's one of the best MCU movies, period. And then the third one, um, Civil War, that's basically an Avengers movie in a Captain America movie. And you introduce Black Panther, you bring Spider-Man over into the mix. Like Captain America has been on a roll. So there's a chance to kind of flop that. And I hope that it works out well and it's awesome. Um, so there's that Thunderbolts is having their issues with the characters and people dropping out of the movie. And it's like the MCU suicide squad where you have all these villains, quote unquote, trying to do the right thing. Now I hear that movie is going to address the celestial that's in the ocean somewhere from Eternals, which they should address that. Cause that's just a weird thing to have existing and you never talk about it. So I hear it's going to address that. And I also hear it's going to bring up Admanium. That's going to become a thing in that movie, which leads to obviously X-Men. So that'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing that blade. Obviously is blade. Come on. Um, and the other movie is Thunderbolts, Fantastic Four, Captain America, Blade. There we go, four. So it's going to be interesting to have MCU back in full play because this year is just Deadpool and Wolverine, which we'll see. We'll see. Interested. So now we have the cast for Fantastic Four. So away from the MCU, away from the cinematic universe, away from movies, back to games. Helldivers, man. Helldivers has been crushing it. 
Now I'm going to pull up steam right now, which I find it funny that we're in this space now where console games are judged based upon their success in the world of PC. Like whenever a console game releases on console and PC, now people are like, well, look, people are playing it on steam. I wish like consoles would actually give us numbers on how games are doing. Xbox gives you the rankings of top played, but they don't give you actual numbers. Uh, PlayStation gives you nothing. Surprise, surprise. And Steam gives you actual numbers. So right now, Helldivers is the number four most played game on Steam with 154,427 current players. That's number four. It's behind Counter-Strike 2, which is number one, Dota 2, which is number two, and Power World, which is number three. So Power World is currently at 225,040. Um, today, Helldivers has had a peak of 203,644, which is awesome. But Power World has had a peak of 512,859. So... There's been a huge gap between three and four. Uh, Power World, Dota 2 uh, have both had peaks of over 500,000. And Counter-Strike 2 has had a peak of a million. So there's a huge gap between four and three and up. But also Apex, if you look at Apex, Apex has had a peak of 428,000 today. But Apex is currently at 105,000, which is under Helldivers. But Helldivers has been a huge success and everybody who's played it except for me has had nothing but great things to say about it. Now, what I will say is I don't, I feel like I didn't give Helldivers enough of a chance when I played it. Um, and I played it solo, which that game clearly is not a game to be played solo. You have to play with other people or it's not going to be a solid experience. Maybe I'll dive in again and give it another chance, but everybody's been liking it. Now, what I will what I wonder so again, going back to that list, Counter-Strike number one, Dota number two, Power number three, Helldivers number four, Apex number five, Baldur's Gate three, number six, PUBG number seven, Call of Duty number eight. Call of Duty has a peak today of 101,000. That's underneath everything that's above it. That's also underneath Grand Theft Auto five. What's happening to Team Deathmatch? I feel like multiplayer is changing so much. And what used to be a standard Team Deathmatch is becoming extinct. Like, do people not rock with Team Deathmatch anymore? Now, I have fully bought into the Battle Royale trend. I am an Apex Legend fanatic. I love it. Um, I love the characters of Apex Legends. I love the story built on these characters, which uh, Games as a Service gives you the ability to do because they're around for a while. Um, but I do miss Team Deathmatch. I do miss Team Deathmatch. And if we look, so uh, the finals has fallen off, which also doesn't have Team Deathmatch. But the finals had a little, a little run of being popping, and it's. Falling off still has players. It's still in the top 100, 
but it seems like games aren't coming out. Shooters aren't coming out focusing on team deathmatch anymore. Now, um, what is the Ubisoft shooter that is probably never coming out? That's supposed to compete with call of duty. Let me see. Let me look it up. Ubisoft knockoff call of duty soft knockoff. I'm literally going to type in knockoff call of duty and see what it says. X defiant. So X defiant still hasn't released, which is supposed to largely give that call of duty feel. I played the beta of it and I had a good time with it. It felt quick. It felt fluid. It felt smooth. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it the way I used to love call of duty before they put skill-based matchmaking in, but I largely feel like team deathmatch is just going away. Like I remember capture the flag used to be a really important mode in games. And then that went away, which I would think now with the way we're so connected to other people, capture the flag could become popular again, but capture the flag used to be popping. And now that's dead. Now team deathmatch. It looks like it's on its way out. Helldivers is having success without team deathmatch. Helldivers is having success without competitive multiplayer at all. A lot of people are enjoying that. Power is having success without competitive multiplayer at all. For now, they're going to add it eventually. But hey man, maybe I'm just old. Maybe this is past me, but I still enjoy team deathmatch. So if a game wants to come out and make solid team deathmatch, Apex has team deathmatch, which I don't play Apex's team deathmatch because Apex as a game is clearly made for battle royale. And I've played the team deathmatch. It's cool. It's cool. But when I look at Apex, I'm thinking battle royale. I want a new game to come out and say, Hey, we're doing team deathmatch and not be a Twitch shooter. I don't want something that's super fast and you have to put mouse and keyboard or you're lost and you have to play at 400 frames per second. I'm not good at those. Bring me a classic 60 frame, 120 frame team deathmatch game. And it sucks because I feel like that was the thing. Like X defiant was supposed to come out before call of duty. So it can get its feet on the ground before call of duty came out but it got pushed back. Then Call of Duty came out and people were like, oh, it's too late, Call of Duty's here, but then nobody liked Call of Duty. So X Defiant has this window and they're just not capitalizing on it. And now as we go forward, more and more people are looking to different experiences like Helldivers. A lot of people are loving Helldivers. No competitive multiplayer. So is X Defiant gonna come out of the point where nobody even wants competitive multiplayer because everybody's playing survival games like power world they're playing co-op games like hell divers they're playing you know shrouded arc these other type of games like i still want team deathmatch i still want to shoot people in the face and i enjoy the games that exist already like halo i still play halo every now and then i enjoy it i have a good time but I want some new experiences where I get to shoot people in the face. So if anybody's working on that, holla at your boy. I'll be happy to test that out. Going to take a break and then we'll be back. Electric relaxation where I am Phil Spencer 
and I'm going to lead Microsoft into the future. I wasn't talking into the mic there because I was staring off into the future. Electric relaxation. And we are back. Electric relaxation. So I just recorded this segment with no audio. So now I'm doing it again, but it's all good. Focused, man. Also got to take a drink of water. I've been doing an unboxing and a testing for the Hover One H1 Ace R450 electric scooter. Just went outside and tested the scooter, rode it around the parking lot. Scooter goes up to 20 miles per hour. I'm too much of a coward to go 20 miles per hour. I went 11 miles per hour. I think that was pretty fast, but I did enjoy it. I'll speak more on that later. But anyways, so topic of the show. Obviously, this show releases is recorded the day before Phil Spencer goes on the official Xbox podcast to discuss Microsoft business plans or Xbox business plans going forward. So with that being said, what I'm doing is I'm going to tell you if I was Phil Spencer and had the ability to lead Microsoft in the direction I want to go, what I would do and what my business plans would be for Xbox going forward. So I think this plan revolves around three things. Mainly I think one software, games, things of that nature. I think two subscriptions, really just Xbox game pass. And I think three hardware, I think hardware is what's not really discussed in this whole conversation. Um, obviously, uh, with the leaks that happened during the trial for the purchase of Activision blizzard, there was some things in there about Xbox hardware going forward. So I do think that's an important part of what goes what Microsoft is going to do going forward. And I do think part of that will be in this conversation uh, that Phil's going to have tomorrow. I'm going to tell you what I think Xbox should do regarding hardware subscriptions and software. Now, some of this stuff I think is exactly what they're going to do. Some of this stuff is based upon things that have been leaked and rumors. Some of this stuff is just shit that I made up that I think sounds cool. So, Let's get into it. Software, subscriptions, hardware. To start, software. I think, obviously, Microsoft spent a lot of money buying all the developers they've bought. Not just the Activision Blizzard purchase, not just the Bethesda purchase, but they've been purchasing a lot of developers, spending a lot of money. You got to make that money back. Xbox is cool, but Microsoft is telling Xbox, you gotta go get that money back. So I think that obviously looking to release games on other platforms is a way to increase revenue. You've already paid to make the game, porting it over to other consoles doesn't take as much effort and as much spending, but it will bring back more revenue. So this is how I approach that. Well, I do think that that's a great way to go. I do think you have to be calculated in how you do it. I think for games that they've released that were good games, people really liked, but maybe they didn't bring back what they think they deserve to bring back, release them on other consoles at a later date. So I think when we look at the rumors of 
Hi-Fi Rush, and Pentiment. I think Pentiment, that's the game, right? I didn't play that game. I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't really my bag, but I know a lot of people liked it. But I think when you look at games like that, uh, they reviewed really well, like Hi-Fi Rush. Some people were saying it should have been in the game of year conversation, right? Reviewed really well. A lot of people liked it. Did it sell? We don't really know sales numbers, but nothing jumps off the screen in regards to they would tell us that that game sold a lot, right? Release it on Switch and PlayStation. I think that that's a great move. I think that it gets more people to play that game. I think it's a game made by a developer that does bigger things, that will do bigger things for Xbox. But you give people a sample of what they're capable of on these other consoles. I think for multiplayer games that are not named Gears of War or Halo, release release them on other consoles at a later date. Sea of Thieves is another game that was rumored to be releasing on PlayStation, potentially Switch. Um, I think that's a great move. I think multiplayer games, you have to keep people on these games to keep them afloat. You have to find ways to sell things to people to keep the game bringing in money. These games are games as a service. Pretty much every multiplayer game nowadays is a game as a service. Plain and simple. They're not releasing them every year. It's a game as a service. Even Call of Duty is sort of is because Call of Duty has Warzone and all that. So I think that you have to get more people on these games. So I think that you release the games on Xbox and PC and Game Pass day and date. And then at a later date, as you're releasing more content, as you're having anniversaries, blah, blah, blah. Release it on P- on PlayStation. To celebrate the two-year anniversary, the three-year anniversary, even sometimes the one-year anniversary. Hey, we're going to release the such and such edition on PlayStation. The content is coming out on Xbox and it's coming out on PC. But now for people who buy it on PlayStation, you will also receive blah, blah, blah. This brings more players to the game. If I'm an Xbox PC person, I've already had it. I've already been having a good time. Now my friends who don't have Xbox and PC... They can get it on PlayStation. We could play together. Awesome. Now you can sell us all cosmetics. Bam. But I do think Halo, Gears of War, just their history, what they mean to Xbox. I keep I think you keep those exclusive to Xbox and PC. I think you keep those exclusive to Xbox and PC. I just think what they represent, not those. Any other multiplayer game, all for it. Later date. Put it on PlayStation. I think for big games that are generally successful, no. No. So Starfield was rumored to possibly be releasing on PlayStation. We don't know about sales numbers. But what I will say is, if you looked on Steam before Starfield officially released, and you've seen the number of people playing the game, Before the release date, which means those people, because it was on Steam, not on Game Pass, paid $100 to get that game early. If you've seen the number of people that were playing that game early on Steam, you know that game sold. That game did numbers. That game did mega numbers. That game brought in money. If you look at 
how much people played the game. If you look at everything tells you that game was successful. No. No. You can't have it. You want it? Xbox, PC, Game Pass. Plain and simple. No point. I think that you dangle out those other games and you give those other games, you put those other games out there so they could bring in more money. It doesn't cost you much. And then those people are more inspired to purchase into the Xbox ecosystem of Xbox PC game pass because they're not getting the heavy hitters. So now they want to find a way to get in. All right, man, that was awesome, man. That was awesome. Man, why am I always playing all these games that come out on Xbox a year or two early and I could be playing those day and date and get the other cool games? So that's the way I would approach software. Now, within that, I mentioned Game Pass. Xbox, PC, Game Pass. I think Game Pass has to stay off of PlayStation and Switch. For multiple reasons. I think if Game Pass stays off PlayStation and Switch, that incentivizes people to either buy an Xbox console or purchase something where Game Pass is available. That keeps Game Pass having the value it has to sell whatever it is you're trying to sell that's not PlayStation and Switch. Because you're not trying to sell PlayStation and Switch. You're not. That doesn't benefit you. Now, I also think this keeps Game Pass's value where it is or increases it. Because if you release Game Pass on PlayStation and Switch, you can't release it with the same games you have on Xbox, can you? If I'm a developer and Xbox comes to me with a check and says, hey, we want to put your game on Game Pass, we'll give you this check. If that check will cover cost of production, if that check will cover, that check is just a huge number. I may say, you know what? We'll put it over on Game Pass forever or for a limited time, depending on what that check looks like. And then we'll do our numbers on PlayStation, on Switch. Well, probably not Switch because nothing comes on Switch. We'll do our numbers on PlayStation. We'll do our numbers on Steam. We'll do our numbers on Epic. And we'll put it on Game Pass. Yeah, we'll do that. But if you put Game Pass on PlayStation, you put Game Pass on Switch, now you're going to those developers with the same check. No, I'm not putting my game over there because we're losing our opportunity to do our numbers on the other consoles. So that check has to be bigger. So if that check is bigger, now it's costing you more to bring other games on the Game Pass. So now what are you going to charge me for Game Pass? I think Game Pass does have the ability to go up in price and maintain and still be a great value. I think if you look at, if I look at what I pay for Netflix, my Netflix subscription is 20 bucks to get the 4K, to get multiple devices or whatever. My Netflix subscription is 20 bucks. And like every day I think about whether or not I'm going to cancel Netflix. Every day I think about it. But the Vince Staples show is coming. So no, not right now. But every day I think about canceling Netflix because it doesn't have the value. But with everything Game Pass gives me, value. I think when you look at what they're going to add to Game Pass, like games like Call of Duty and stuff like that, 
through the Activision Blizzard purchase, Game Pass has the ability to go up in price for Game Pass Ultimate, maybe even at 25 bucks a month. And then give me a discounted rate to purchase it for a year to incentivize me to pay for the whole year so I'm locked in for the year. But I think Game Pass has the ability to be $25 a month. And if you're going to add games like all of the Call of Duties, if you're going to add all the Diablos, if you're going to add those games to Game Pass, it's worth it. I think about when I was a kid, when I didn't have the ability to get all the games, when it was like a hard argument to get my dad to, to buy game consoles and games. My dad spent my dad made money, my dad spent money, but my dad was very strategic in how he did things. So my dad spent a lot of money on a computer when I was young, when everybody didn't have computers because he felt that there was value in that. It would have cost a lot less money to get me an N64. He didn't give me an N64. So I think about stuff like that. I think about those times. I think about like renting games and we used to pay to rent games for like three days or whatever. What Game Pass offers, that's a steal. That is a steal. So I think that you keep Game Pass exclusive to Xbox, exclusive to PC, or at least you keep it away from PlayStation and Switch. Keep it away from PlayStation and Switch. And that way you can continue to bring other games into the folder Game Pass because as a developer, I can get the check I get from Microsoft and then make my money other places. And I think that if I want into Game Pass, I have to buy one of the things you're selling that has Game Pass on it. So I think that Game Pass should remain off of PlayStation and Switch. Now, hardware. I think that some of this stuff, again, some of this stuff is stuff that Microsoft is probably going to do. Some of this stuff is stuff that Microsoft is kind of already talked about some of this stuff is just out there that I thought of that I think is genius. Cause I'm a genius. My mom said, I'm a genius. My dad said, I'm brilliant. You're not going to call my parents liars. Are you? I didn't think so. So first of all, at the lowest price point, Xbox streaming stick. Microsoft has kind of already talked about a streaming stick. Um, I think that it's a great idea. I think at a low price point, you give people the opportunity to buy a device that will allow them to stream games via xCloud. It will allow them to play the latest and greatest via streaming on this device at an extremely low price point. So I purchased the device. I purchased Xbox Game Pass. I'm good. Big win. I think what it costs to make one of those devices is probably cheap as hell. And you can sell it at a good price and still profit and you can sell more subscriptions. So I think that depending on how cheap this device is, this puts you in a different space. Cause if I have to pay 40 bucks to get a fire stick that allows me to watch Amazon TV and YouTube TV and all those cool things. Or I pay 90 bucks and get an Xbox streaming stick and it allows me to do all the things the fire stick allows me to do, but it allows me to stream Starfield. Fam, I'm getting that streaming stick. 
I am getting that streaming stick. I think as a kid trying to get your way into the gaming space, that argument is a lot easier to make. I think as a parent who has a kid who's now getting into gaming, but as is at an age where I'm not going to invest in him in gaming what I invest in myself. My kid is three years old. I'm not building my three-year-old kid a gaming desktop with a 4090 in it. I'm just not. Now, I may be willing to buy him a streaming stick. He can rock with that streaming stick till, I don't know, till he's six, seven, get him a Series S till he's like 10, 11, get him a Series X or a gaming PC then. But like at early ages, that streaming stick, especially if you give me some games for kids, that streaming stick, that's a win. That's a major win. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if that's in this announcement, in this podcast discussion that they're going to have. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Now, this is just, I created this. Streaming stick is cool. What I think they should also do is create a streaming box. Now, what is the streaming box? This is the way I view it. I remember when Grand Theft Auto San Andreas was like cutting edge. It was out of this world. We hadn't played nothing like it. No other games allowed us to do all the things we could do in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. It was crazy. It looked amazing. Like We were all amped about Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. I can play that game on my phone. So we're at a space now where certain things that used to be crazy and out of this world are now easily achievable in super small form factors. So a streaming box and I'm envisioning the Xbox streaming box. It does the same thing the streaming stick does, but it also allows us to play older generation games directly from the device, mobile games directly from the device. I think that this is a win because I think if you look at like Xboxes, like all of the old classics, especially some of them, you reopen those servers, like Halo two, you reopen those servers, you make it available so people could play online. You make sure these devices have Xbox live. I can chat with my friends on there and we can like play Halo two. Like that's a win. How much would it cost to make this streaming box? I can't imagine it costs that much. Obviously it'll cost more than a streaming stick, but I can't imagine it'll cost that much. And you price it like between 150 and 200. That's where the Apple TV 4k is priced, right? Put it around the Apple TV 4k a little higher, obviously, Cause it's going to allow you to do more than Apple TV 4k. Then you add zoom. You add zoom because I think that this streaming box, like Microsoft has tried, they tried to sell the Xbox one as this, like more than just a gaming thing. And people were like completely turned off by it. They wanted gaming. That's what they wanted. They wanted gaming. You can game. There's going to be, we're going to provide you things for you to focus on gaming. The streaming box 
is about so many other things. The best versions of all the apps that you use on every other device. They all work amazingly. Focused on making sure the apps run awesome on the streaming box. But you could also play some of our legacy titles directly from the device, not streaming. So no input latency at all. We can bring back online some of those old games. Bring those servers up. Bring some of those old games back to life. Get people on there. The same way Nintendo does where you can download their old games. Bring some of those games back to life digitally. Then we can use that to push when we have the new games coming out. So people are into Halo 2 on the streaming box and on their Xbox and in other spaces. Now you release a new Halo. I think the streaming box would be awesome. Do I think Microsoft is actually working on that? No, that's just something I made up off the top of my head. Just looking at the history of game, looking at all the old classic games that you could just play directly from the device, a device that doesn't cost much to make. I feel like that'd be a win. And again, that would sell more game pass subscriptions. I think you add zoom into the equation to where now this is a device where families can connect. Again, it makes the argument for somebody trying to say, Hey, this isn't just about me. Yeah, I can do my games and stuff like that. I can talk to my friends via Xbox live, but the family can video chat via this device. I think zoom is up there in regards to like video chatting. Obviously it's businesses are on it, but zoom or maybe even teams, some personal version of teams, put that on the device so it can connect people more. I think that's a no brainer and it sells more game pass subscriptions with the device that probably doesn't cost you much to make. Now, that was something I just said. That's something I just came up with off the top of my head. Well, Microsoft has talked about, or at least has leaked out. Microsoft talked about a handheld. Now, what is this handheld? I'll tell you what I think this handheld should be. I think this handheld shouldn't be something that Nintendo or PlayStation is done or is doing. I think it should be something different. When we look at the handheld market and we think about handheld gaming right now, the conversation is a lot different than it's been ever before, largely because of the steam deck. So on one end, you have the steam deck. The steam deck is Linux based. You can play most of the games you have on steam handheld device. It's really a handheld gaming PC. It's not a handheld like a switch. It's a gaming PC. You can play your PC games on it. On the other end of the steam deck, you have devices like the rogue ally, like the Legion go like the MSI claw. These are handheld gaming PCs that are windows based. So you can play most of your games because you don't have the issues with anti cheat and stuff like that. You play most of your games, they are windows based. The problem with those devices is a lot of people say, Windows isn't really made for those type of devices. So while Steam in the Steam Deck can't play all your games because it's not Windows based, it's Linux based, it does have an operating system that is built around this experience. So what Microsoft should do is, 
instead of making a handheld Xbox, they should make a handheld gaming PC that is Windows based with the Windows experience that caters to this type of device. It is Windows, but it is a handheld Windows that focuses specifically on gaming, Xbox, Xbox Live, and Game Pass. So I have this device. I can play my other games from Steam and Epic, but it's going to create an Xbox experience that allows me access to those games, but really focuses on my Xbox games. That allows me to play those games, but really focuses on things like my achievements. That allows me to play those games, but really focuses on Xbox party chat and the connectivity between other people on Xbox. So I can access my Xbox friends anywhere specifically from this device with ease of access to my friends, keeping us all connected into the Xbox ecosystem. Download the games. Microsoft partners with another company, Intel, Nvidia, whoever, and creates a powerful device because Microsoft is known for power. The Xbox, the original Xbox was the most powerful console out at the time. Super powerful. Blew our minds. The Xbox Series X right now is the most powerful console out. So give me a handheld gaming PC with that's Windows-based, with a Windows that's focused on this type of device that focuses on gaming, Xbox, Xbox Live, and Game Pass. And that's a win because that device sounds awesome. But now you can also allow these other companies like Asus with the Rogue Ally, like MSI with the Claw, like Lenovo with the Legion Go to have access to this version of Windows, which will essentially make their devices your devices too. Because it's going to focus on Xbox. If you want this version of Windows, this version of Windows is going to push people towards Xbox, towards Xbox Party Chat. This version of Windows is going to push people towards Game Pass. This version, yeah, you can access everything else, but the focus is Xbox stuff because this is Microsoft Windows. So that is a major win. Now, what does this device cost? This device will not cost in the space of a switch because it's not a switch. It's far more powerful. This device is not going to be at the price point of whatever that PlayStation streaming device is that they just released that nobody really cares about. This device is not going to be at the price point that a PSP would be in today's market. This device is going to be in the same price point as like a Rogue Ally or a Legion Go. $600, $700. Yes, that is, that is a high price point for console gamers who are used to paying $500 for a full console. But there is a market for this, and we are Microsoft. Our branding is strong. We are recognized by mainstream gamers in a way Steam is not. So we can sell this. And 
look, ultimately, it's going to push the ecosystem as a whole because the focus is bringing everybody in Xbox. We don't expect this handheld device to do Series X numbers. This is something else in a different space that is a part of the whole. Now, Series X and Series S. I think Microsoft needs to go away from the whole feature for feature rule they have with Series X and Series S. I think it's not really clear what Series S really is, but what is clear is it handicaps Series X. I think that Microsoft should push for most major features to be feature for feature match on Series S and Series X, but allow some things to be Series X exclusive. And then allow the Series S to stream a Series X version. This way, Series X is no longer handicapped by Series S, and it's a lot clearer what Series S is. Series S is a more advanced version of the made up streaming box that I created. It allows you to download all games and play games directly from the console. It will, for the most part, feature for feature match the Series X, but sometimes it won't. And for those, if you want those features, then you can stream the Series X version. It makes it very clear what the Series S is. Series S is already at a lower price point than the Series X, and it uncaps the Series X to go to places that it can't really go right now, especially for the Xbox exclusive games that are developed exclusively for Xbox. So then the Series X provides you an experience you can't even get on PlayStation sometimes because I don't have to focus on that. I can just focus on the Series X. And for the most part, I can bring most of this to Series S and the rest of it you can stream if you want the full, the full package. The same way in PC gaming, there are certain things that, hey, you can't get ray tracing. You can't. And that's not a that's not a feature per se. But you can't get ray tracing everywhere. Hey, you can't get direct storage from the SSD. You can't get that fast loading from an SSD. You don't have an SSD. Everybody who has an SSD can do this. If you don't have an SSD, you can't do that. Like it frees the Series X a little bit. Now, it's not going to make a huge difference because for the most part, the Series X and the Series S are going to exist in the space that they're in relative to PlayStation 5 and Nintendo's not involved in this. But they will exist there, but free the Series X just a little bit. Now, this is completely out there. I'm just making this up, but I think this is the next level for those who really want to go to the next level. I think Microsoft should release a gaming PC box, a PC gaming console. I think, I think about what steam tried to do with the steam console that didn't really work because it was Linux based and, they weren't really there with Linux gaming at the time, so it didn't work. 
I think about Microsoft creating something like that. It is again, a PC focused on gaming. It allows you to play all PC games, but uses the version of windows. I talked about for the handheld that pushes you towards Xbox, Xbox live and game pass. Now, obviously this is, this isn't going to be priced at the price point of a console. This is past the console price point, but sometimes it costs that to make certain things, but I don't think this is at the alienware price point. I don't think this is at that super high end price point. This, some of these PC manufacturers are at, I think this is like a thousand 1200. And you get this console is really a PC gaming console and allows you to play everything you can play on PC, but focuses on Xbox game pass, Xbox live. And I think this is, this appeals to those aspiring PC gamers who don't really got 3000. They want to get into that PC space. They're a little bit past the console experience. They want more power. They don't really have it like that. And this is a major win. I'll tell you why this is a major win. This is a major win because if I can get this console, this PC gaming console, that Microsoft brings me, it allows me to play everything I get on Xbox via game pass day and date at release. It allows me to play everything that comes out on PC. It also allows me to play most of the stuff that comes out on PlayStation because PlayStation is realizing with the increasing cost of producing games, they can't just release games exclusively on PlayStation and not bring them over to PC. Helldivers is doing numbers on PC because they released it day and date. Helldivers has sold more than any other PlayStation PC release before already because they released it day and date. So it didn't lose any steam, no pun intended. So I think that this device, yes, it costs more. It's not going to be, look, this isn't going to be like 40, 90 level power. It's not going to be that but it's going to be way more powerful than the consoles. So you will have the best experience at a thousand, 1200, maybe even 1400, somewhere around there. I think that is a major win. Now, do I think that's realistic? No, not at all. Not at all. I don't think that's realistic at all, but I do think, it's a great idea. Phil, holla at me. Now look, man, it's easy for us to say these things from our couch. It's easy for us to say these things from our mom's basement. It's easy for us to say these things in a nice studio. It's not as easy to say these things when you're the CEO of a company and you have a board breathing down your back, breathing down your back, not breathing down your back, pause breathing down your back, 
looking for you to increase profits. It's not that easy. I don't understand. I haven't been in Phil's spot. I haven't been in his position and had to deal with that. What I do know is logic. Not the shitty rapper, but logic. I also know what it's like to be a consumer. I know what it's like to be a consumer Well, you're willing to spend whatever for the experience. Maybe not whatever, because I don't know if I'm willing to buy Apple Vision Pro. But you're willing to be an early adopter and try out different things and pay extra better for a better experience. I also know what it's like to be a consumer where you don't have it. And you can't afford to pay whatever for the experience. But you would like the experience. And look, I understand these things aren't required. These things aren't mandatory. These things aren't owed to us as humans. It is a hobby that costs. But I do think these experiences help us to deal with the stuff that does matter. Having these escapes helps us to deal with everything else. So, you know, I'd like, I think it would be great for people to have access to these experiences. And I understand that businesses have to make money. That's what this is about. I don't think Microsoft is just like, we want to do the best thing for the gamers. And that is the focus. I know a lot of companies will say that, but the reality is they should do that because that's where you make the most money. You do what's right for the people because as a consumer, business, your job is to make as much money as possible. A consumer, your job is to give companies your money. That's what a consumer is. Somebody who gives people their money, plain and simple. And what I'm giving out is exactly how you get me to give, get you to continue taking my money. This is what you do to get me and people like me to get us to continue to give you our money. I know that's confusing, but essentially this is how you get the consumers to spend. Because if you do this, the consumers will spend and more consumers will have the ability to spend. There's a lot of people who want to give Microsoft their money, but there's not a price point where they can afford to give Microsoft their money. I like Ralph Lauren a lot. You know what I like about Ralph Lauren? One of the things I like about Ralph Lauren, outside of the fact that it's like kind of classy and not tacky, Ralph Lauren has different price points for different people. If you got it, if you're up, you go by Purple Label. Purple Label is Ralph Lauren for those who got it. If you're doing all right, if you're cool, if you're doing okay, you go get Ralph Lauren Polo. If you don't got it, if you got to watch what you spend really closely, you can get chaps. Ralph Lauren provides something at a different price point for everybody. That sort of sticks to what the brand is about, but it's not the same thing. If you buy chaps, you can't expect to get purple label material. If you buy polo, you can't expect to get purple label material. And if you buy purple label, you expect to get better material than chaps. 
And I think that that's what I'm speaking to is about. It's about providing that experience at different price points for everybody and giving them a part of that experience that speaks to what you're about. Now, if you can't afford to buy the PC gaming console from Microsoft, you can't expect to get that experience on your streaming stick, but we will provide you an experience. We will provide an experience for everybody so we can take everybody's money because that's what business is about. And if you do that, you will increase profits. And if you increase profits, then you don't have to do layoffs like they did once they purchased Activision Blizzard, which they said they would not do. And that sucks. As somebody who operates in that space, who's seen the layoffs and seen the impact of layoffs, like in on IGN, on Game Informer, it reads like whatever. From a gamer's perspective, it reads like whatever. Is my game still going to come out? But as a people perspective, from a people perspective, from an employee perspective, that shit fucking sucks. It sucks. It's horrible. That's impacting families. That's bad. So if you want to make more money so you can avoid layoffs, then you provide these experiences in different spaces. And I think that the way Microsoft is currently set up, they have the opportunity to do it in a way nobody else has the opportunity to do it. Can Nintendo give you the same does Nintendo have the same opportunity as Microsoft? Nintendo doesn't have a subscription service that provides what Game Pass provides. And Nintendo doesn't own all the developers Microsoft owns. Now, owning those developers costs money, so you have to make it back. This is how you make it back. I'm LBC Bruce. This is Electric Relaxation. Electric Relaxation is a part of the Realities Real Podcast Network, brought to you by the good folks over at TMM Smith. You made it this far. Shout out to you. I greatly appreciate y'all, man. I appreciate everybody who checks out these podcasts. I think I have great opinions. I think I have the best opinions out. I think in regards to releasing content and creating content, I am still working on it. So every time I record one of these episodes, I'm looking at how I can do things differently. I'm looking at how I release the content. I'm looking at different things. I'm trying out different stuff. So I appreciate everybody who's checking it out right now. Because as I continue to do this, it's only going to get better. And more people will check it out. But for those individuals who are checking it out right now, you are extremely valued to me. I appreciate y'all. Be on the lookout for Electric Relaxation back next week. Obviously, we'll hear the podcast tomorrow from Xbox. Losing my voice. We'll hear it. I'll be back to discuss what exactly they talk about. I am LBC Bruce. This is Electric Relaxation. We are out. Peace.